My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. This show is recorded live in San Francisco and produced in collaboration with Dave Clark at Studio Pod Media. Our show coordinator is Deanna Marinci with additional editing and music presented by Notalab. This episode of Technically Speaking is sponsored by Automatic, the people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Automatic's 1,400 people hail from 79 countries and speak 99 languages. Their open source software products democratize publishing and commerce so that anyone with a story can tell it and anyone with a product can sell it, regardless of income, gender, politics, language, or country. More than 1 billion people use Automatic products every month. Automatic also contributes directly to WordPress, the open source project that powers over 40% of websites on the internet. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit automatic.com to check out the latest job listings today. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com. Hey, everybody. My name is Harrison Wheeler, and today my guest is David Hong, Director of Design at Webflow. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, give the audience a little bit of an introduction. Oh, man, where to start? So yeah, I lead Design at Webflow. Those of you who aren't familiar, Webflow is a visual development platform. I think our mission is helping people be able to build and create on the web without the necessity to know how to code. And that's something that's been special in my heart to how I got started in my career. So my main focus at Webflow. In addition, I'm also a design partner at OnDeck. And OnDeck is a fellowship. There's one focused on design where it's really helping build skills for uh, new leaders, whether it's individual contributors or managers. So I like to stay busy, so doing a little bit of both. And also uh, do a little bit of angel investing on the side too. But that's kind of the wrap-up of where I've been spending most of my energy. Awesome. So I'm a user of Webflow. And one of the things that I really enjoy, when I was younger, I used to code. So I coded back when I was like 12 years old. And one of the things I really appreciate is a lot of those same sort of concepts around like HTML are there. And all I need to do is just click a button. How much of that was kind of tied to that drawing you in? And then what does the future of building a presence online look like when you start working on no-code type tools? It's a good question. Funny story. When I first heard a Webflow and was talking about potentially joining, I honestly wasn't sure because I was like, I don't know if I want to join a Squarespace or a site builder, if you will. And as I got to know the founders and got to know their mission, it really brought me back to kind of what you described, Harrison, where for me, I grew up playing around with HyperCard, Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver is the one that basically taught me to code. So I always tell people, no code teaches you how to code. And that's how I kind of got my start. And then it went into learning ActionScript with Flash and then Objective-C and, and Swift way back in the day when I used to do more mobile design. And I think a lot of it is about that empowerment and also that mastery, like teaching people things they may not even be aware of, right? So when you're using Webflow and you're building a blog with the CMS, you're building with data and people are learning how to 
find and relate data, uh, Notion's good like that too. I think those are the most powerful tools is when you're teaching people and they're learning whether they know it or not. Right. Yeah, I think out of a lot of the the sort of no code or what you see or WYSIWYG type editors, I think that's my appreciation is how it does tie back to the origin. So you are learning a lot of those concepts, right? Of just, you've got a section, a container, and then the div, and then you've got your text and your hierarchy and all of that. Those are things that are directly translatable, even if you're talking to an engineer. So I think those are one of the things that I really appreciate about it. And actually, you know, with this season, I'm actually working on a, a workflow for bringing on my podcast guests. And so I think you may have interacted with that Airtable. So that Airtable is actually my database. And eventually I'm going to hook that into the CMS. So when guests submit their image or their bio, it automatically uploads. And that's less work on my end because to have your own podcast is a lot of work. So to streamline that is really great. Are you using Zapier to fire off the workflows? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I got the form, I was like, oh man, Harrison, he's no coding it up with this. And it helps, right? You can code, but it's still such an efficiency gain just to be like, yeah. I'm just going to automate a lot of this stuff. Exactly. So you're a very, very, very busy person. Like, what does your day-to-day look like? Not going to lie. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So I get up around 5 a.m. And it's probably because my cat wakes me up because he wants food. So that <laughs> gets me started in the morning. But I love those early starts to have a few hours to prep what I'm going to do during my day. Because in addition to Webflow, like I mentioned, there's other endeavors that I'm really focused on. So it's just really planning well for my day and really figuring out what I want to get done. Because I feel like when you're busy, there's this temptation and this challenge of flailing all over the place and just trying to do all the things. So really being able to focus in like, hey, these are the top two or three things that I want to get done. <laughs> Not going to lie, a lot of my day Zoom meetings, you might feel this being a manager. It comes with the job though. you know. So for me, I want to make sure I'm standing, moving around and just kind of being mindful of my mobility. But a lot of it is synchronous meetings. I think at Webflow too, our team is remote even before the pandemic. So we have people around the world. So we've been making a pretty concentrated effort to try and work a little bit more asynchronous and cut some of the meetings and say, okay, we've been using Loom a lot and just really giving some love to our documentation and, and make sure like, hey, can this document replace a meeting? Because if, if we can, that's a win. Yeah, so we're getting, I'm getting a little stacked with meetings. But yeah, a lot of it is face-to-face Zoom chats during my day. Yeah, so for the listeners that don't know, what exactly is Loom? Loom is like asynchronous video recording. So it allows you to record your screen and also your camera. So if you want to do walkthroughs. So we use it for critique and demos quite a bit because you know we have we have a designer based in Moscow and the time overlap is we're so far away from him. So we use Looms and he uses Looms to communicate with us and be able to share demos. And it's really nice. We kind of say we're a Zoom and Loom company. So we're a little bit, uh, a little bit of synchronous and a little bit of asynchronous too. But wonderful product, highly recommended. So with the theme of just like this sort of forced work from home, would it be more of an investment in ways to communicate asynchronously? Would that be the theme? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I'm with you on that. I'm in so many meetings all day. And I think one of the things is that, you know, my presence is necessary sometimes, you know, for things to keep going. 
But at the same time, it does sort of say, okay, like, where do I prioritize when and where my voice is needed? And so I've learned something already. I kind of want to invest in, in something like Loom because I'm not always available to do a critique all the time, but I might have some free time later in the day. So with that being said, you mentioned that your company has been fully remote and you've moved down to Palm Springs. You're in between Palm Springs and LA. Maybe give me a little bit of the motivation of that. Yeah. So right when I moved to LA, it was probably two weeks before the lockdown here. And at the time, my girlfriend was a Imagineer at Disney. So based in LA. So I made the move down here. I was in San Francisco four years before that. And I think for us during the pandemic, it was just like, couldn't really go anywhere. So we started going to Palm Springs quite a bit. And for me, it's so funny because when I think of Palm Springs, I think of retired people in golf. And then as I got to know the city and especially the history around Palm Springs, even before people start building on top of the land. Like there's just such a vast story to it. And I think very much tied with nature and experimentation too. I think a lot of the architecture here is is really interesting. So we ended up getting a place in Palm Springs just to kind of lay low during the pandemic and have a little bit more space because, you know, big city, you, you live in a box. So it just gave us space to be creative and have a garage that's kind of our art studio and and be able to explore different things. So I think that's changed perspective of how I'm thinking work's going to trend in the future. Because I think a lot of people are talking about, okay, are we going back fully remote or is it return to the office? And I think it's going to be a mix of both. And I think what you're going to see is community co-working spaces, perhaps. So it's just like a place where people who may work at different companies or freelancers be able to gather and have spaces to create. It's like the maker spaces that they used to have, but maybe for co-working. And I could see maybe having shared resources there, whether it's like, you know, conference rooms and even like other other creative tools that you may not want to spend on your own that community can share. You've mentioned this on Twitter a few times. How has sort of the reaction been with folks? Yeah, I think it's been interesting. I think you see both sides, right? I'm not like dogmatic or one or the other. I miss being in an office and seeing people. I think the thing I miss most is just having access to a whiteboard and being able to draw with someone. I mean, there's great tools out there, but I think something just as frictionless as that. I think the thing I miss a lot too is just having that serendipity, like you're going to the kitchen to get coffee and you talk to a colleague about an idea and then you start kind of riffing on it. And it's not to say you can't do that remote, but I think you have to design that serendipity a bit more. The thing I have learned, though, is not only at Webflow, but I think just hearing from what people have been expressing is, I think there's a big accessibility piece to remote, too. So for people with disabilities, remote is such a huge game changer for their life that they don't have to commute. Or you know, people with kids where they can, instead of commuting somewhere, they can spend time with their family or attending to other things before going to work. So that's why I think it's going to be a blend of the two, not necessarily one or the other, because when people, especially people outside of tech who may not have worked remote before and they we're forced to work remote, they're like, wait, we could have worked remote this whole time. You know, and I think that was the realization. So, so I think, I don't think you can fully go back to that. Right. I mean, companies are going to try, but I think, just kind of whatever this pandemic is, right? It, if anything, it's, it's just accelerated the way of working. Yeah. 
I will say too, like the tools and resources to help facilitate that have improved a ton. We have way more reliability in video conferencing because I can remember in the past, I'd go between like four different tools. If one wasn't working, tools like Figma, right, to allow sort of that collaborative nature. So I think, yeah, and, and things like Notion, et cetera, the list goes on. I think we're finally at a point where we can allow that to happen. In your case, though, so you mentioned you have your garage. Have you started doing some of that co-working down in Palm Springs? Has there been a bit of a hunger around that? I think there is. I'm trying to find people and trying to find community in doing that that co-working, you know, whether it's in our own garage or finding space. Uh, I know up north a little bit in Joshua Tree, there's a lot of creative people and a lot of creative spaces there. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to kick off, especially now that it's safer to start connecting with people. I think there's really that desire for it to collaborate. So, you know, one of my dreams long term is to have a creative space like that where people can gather. Because I think one of the things that I think really makes me roll out of bed every day is the mentorship and getting people into the craft who may not have access to it before. You know, So if you have a space like this where people can go to, that's why it's like probably better that it's not my own house that people are going to. Like I think we'd start with that, but I think some sort of studio space. I, I was an art major, so I think the gathering place of a studio is so important. So that's kind of what I want to build towards. Virtually and and physically, too, in that space. I think it's important for people, especially those who may not have much to start, to have a place that they can even go to and have access. Right. So outside of work, what is something that you're currently obsessed with? There's two things I've been obsessed with. Have you heard of the term of or this concept of like building the second brain? I have not. Tell me more. Yeah. So it's like a lot of productivity, geeking out. So the idea of it is to be able to build your own personal knowledge base for your mind because the brain doesn't work in a structured way like a filing cabinet. So it's like, you know, how to use Notion or how to use Rome Research to organize all your information. So I just binge watch like YouTube videos about the second brain. It's just been really fascinating to hear how that inspires creativity. And I think that's what I'm keen on is someone asked me, like, how do you do all this work? How do you be so productive? I don't think it's as easy as people might think it is. You know, it's like a lot of the stored content and thoughts that I've been working on for like the last several years now just getting published and manifested so that outside of kind of less work and productivity, I really enjoy cycling. So I have a bike and Palm Springs is such a place that's ripe for exploration and writing. So, you know, I think that's one thing I've really loved about here. I live in Santa Monica in LA, so it's pretty flat and you can ride your bike easily too without much traffic. But I I love just being out here and riding. It's just like, you got to take care of the body too, along with with the mind. Yeah. So let me go back to the second brain, right? Is this like a microchip? Is this a database? Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not the what's what's the Elon Musk uh, the Neuralink? Oh, it's Neuralink. not that. It ain't yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically like creating your own wiki or documentation around different concepts. And if you there's a course about building your second brain, and it's just interesting. It's just kind of like how do you capture, organize, and then start executing on your work. And I love it because I feel like. If I don't write anything down, I will forget it. So I need to kind of create a little bit more structure. But a lot of the folks who use Notion a lot really love this concept of developing that that second brain. 
have you like published any content before? Like, is that maybe the intent behind it? I know you have so much wisdom built up there. Is that one of the outputs you're thinking of or? I do a weekly newsletter. It's called Proof of Concept. And it's basically, there's no thesis to it or specific thing aside just how do you get people thinking about experimentation, creativity? So I think that's the thing I'm going to write this week, just kind of getting started with this second brain mentality. One thing I've learned is taking notes and remembering stuff is, is really hard. You know, as, as simple as it sounds, it's such a valuable skill to build. Right. Awesome. And then how did you get into cycling then? Yeah, I um, I wish I had a good story, but I don't like running. So I was like, I got to do something, right? So I really love playing basketball. I love swimming. And then I like cycling. So me kind of despising running. And I think it's just that hurts my feet, kind of hurts my knees, you know, getting older. So nothing against runners. I wish I had that rigor. And then I was like, I should get a bike, you know? And this was during the pandemic and or the beginning of the pandemic in Santa Monica. And I was like, you know, I should get a bike and explore the city. I could explore it at the ground level. So really love that. And it's just such a nice way to get exercise that's a little bit more engaging for me. Yeah. And by the way, that is a very common answer I hear. Yeah. Well, it's a <laughs> pandemic. I picked this up and I don't like running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The future of work is here at Automatic. The people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Join a team of diverse global perspectives. Create the work environment and schedule that empowers you to perform at your very best. At Automatic, what matters is the work you produce, not how many hours you put in. Work from anywhere you choose. There are automatications working right now in 79 countries around the globe. The intellectual and cultural diversity that results is critical to the company's success. Automatic believes in constant learning and offers mentorship and personal coaching to support your growth. As a small company with a huge footprint, Automatic offers you the chance to have an impact and make a difference. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit Automatic.com to check the latest job listings. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com. So on the same kind of conversation around the second brain and the documentation, there's something that you call the hype doc. And I'd love to maybe get a little bit of a background around sort of the motivation behind the hype doc what it means, what it does for you, and why people should do it. Yeah. So Hype Doc, I would describe, is kind of a celebration of yourself in your career. And it's not a resume. It's really kind of taking those personal moments. So when I started at Webflow, Molly and Sarah, who are two product design managers that I started working with, uh, you know, we developed this idea. It's because I think we were trying to get the designers to think about celebrating some of the things that they've achieved and accomplished. I really encourage this for managers because I, I don't know if you have a week where you're just like, what did I even do? You know, and it's like, why am I even here? Like, what, like, what did I enable? And it's, it's a little invisible and hard to see. And I think, you know, what doesn't show up on the resume is like, I helped this person go through a hard time or help them resolve a conflict that they're doing. Or I've been coaching someone working on their storytelling presenting and they just gave an amazing 
demo during the all team meeting. So I think those are the things to remember. So one of the things that showed up for me this month is one of my former designers at One Medical, where I was before, she's now a product design manager. And it's something that she wanted to get to. And you know, I felt bad I wasn't able to help enable that when I was there. But the fact that she got there, it, you know, I just kind of reflected. It's like, wow, I, sh- I should celebrate that some of those moments that I was able to work with her probably contributed to that. And again, that's why it's called a hype talk. It's just like when you're down, you just read this thing. And you remember like what you're capable of. And when I have hard days, I I look at that and it's really a great way to bring energy back. Yeah, I love that. And because I, you know, I think at least during this time, being a manager has been really tough. It's been difficult, right? Everyone's been going through some of their own challenges and you've kind of got to keep the ship running. And on top of that, there's a lot of demand from leadership. And so as managers, we get stuck in the middle there and it feels a bit selfless at times. So I really love that concept. And I would encourage those listening to really move in that direction because self-gratitude is so important and it's not talked about enough, right? I think a lot of times what I hear from designers is like, I don't like talking about myself, but this is a great way to talk about yourself to yourself at least. (laughs) So not as much pressure. (laughs) It's so important. And I think, I think you hit it on the spot, especially for managers. Like, because we care for others, we forget about our own well-being. And I remember I had this moment where I don't know if it was just my body language or my voice in a meeting. One of my ICs at Skip Level is just like, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, I haven't asked myself that. That's like, thank you for asking that. And I think having a hype duck and really, yeah, it's gratitude, right? It's gratitude and, and impact. It's not like, here's why I'm amazing. Here's all the great things. But it's something that you want to remember the impact that you're making. And I think by writing it down, it'll help you kind of memorialize it. So when you look back, you can really see like, hey, sometimes being a manager and the impact you want to have, it may take years at a company. And you can look back and say, hey, these are moments that might have instilled you know, where we are now. Yeah. And by the way, I think you mentioned the storytelling piece earlier on. I think that it actually helps to be able to recognize those things. Because I think a lot of times we tend to just gloss over some of the more visceral moments, if you will, like that really stick out. And sometimes the beauty is in some of the small things because those were sort of the catalyst for that transformation. Yeah, absolutely. I think there have been some projects at One Medical and probably quite a bit at Webflow. We still got a lot of work to do, but I think I can remember those moments when these ideas started and how people rallied and galvanized around, you know, whether it's building a prototype or doing it in a hackathon to kind of show where things are going. And you want to remember telling those stories. That's why I think you want to make sure there's like a story. Tell, you know, like every family's got that person who's taking pictures of everything and they're kind of telling the family history. I think that's the same with designers. Like you always need that one designer on the team that's capturing those moments. Because when you look back, you're going to be like, okay, that's how it started. And that's how it originated. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you this question as we start moving towards the end of the episode. What is one piece of advice you would give for designers, design practitioners, regardless of their years of experience? Oh, so many things. I think the first thing that came to mind for me is make time for deliberate practice and and continued learning. I think that's so important. If you all have read 
Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. I, I really love that. And also like So Good They Can't Ignore You. There's this concept of deliberate practice where you're making time to get better. I, I really love sports. So I always kind of equated to like, wh- when's your off season that you're training and working on refining those skills? Uh, even managers need to do that because I think the areas and experiences that we lead and, and work with other people is going to evolve. So making time to really refine those skills, whether it's soft skills or foundational skills. I think that's so important. Yeah, regardless of where you are in your career journey. Yeah, and I think that really kind of stands true, right? It's understanding that the world around us is constantly changing. And regardless of maybe when you got your qualifications, you still need to stay sharp, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. I always say, I feel though nothing in life is ever certain. I feel like design is always a good There's job stability in design because things always need to be designed. However, what we design might change. So it's important to stay on top of those trends and and where things are going. Yeah. Well, look, how can folks get in touch with you? Where can they follow you after the episode? Yeah. Twitter is a good spot. My handle is just my full name, David Hong. And then my website is davidhong.com. And then I have the newsletter I write. It's just my name too. So it's davidhong.substack.com. Yeah. I love to hear from people. I think Twitter's... I don't have any other social media aside from Twitter. So it's probably the one that I spend most of my time on. Yeah. Well, I mean, having one account keeps things very simple. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a great conversation. Lots of great pieces of advice and new things to try. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great chat and appreciate everything you do. The future of work is here at Automatic. The people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Join a team of diverse global perspectives. Create the work environment and schedule that empowers you to perform at your very best. At Automatic, what matters is the work you produce, not how many hours you put in. Work from anywhere you choose. There are automatications working right now in 79 countries around the globe. The intellectual and cultural diversity that results is critical to the company's success. Automatic believes in constant learning and offers mentorship and personal coaching to support your growth. As a small company with a huge footprint, Automatic offers you the chance to have an impact and make a difference. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit automatic.com to check the latest job listings. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com.